0: We'll take our text for this morning from our scripture reading. We'll look at four verses. Luke chapter two, we'll be reading verses eight through 11. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The birth of Christ was the greatest event in all of human history. This was the long-awaited Promise, the Messiah had come, the hope of the nation of Israel for centuries. This had been event, an event that had been predicted by the prophets of old, but not only was it to bring hope to the nation of Israel, but to the entire world as well. This was a history making, history changing event. There was nothing else to compare to this occurrence or this event. It was the greatest news in all the world. If you think about it, why then would the Lord choose to reveal this to a bunch of lowly shepherds when it seemed like the rest of the world completely missed this announcement? You have this big Build up, and you think from a human perspective, certainly it would have been anticlimactic. I mean, just a bunch of lowly shepherds. Well, God doesn't do anything by accident. This was by design, and He had a purpose for choosing the shepherds first. You know, it's nice to know that God has a special place in His heart for shepherds. Some of the greatest leaders in the Bible started out as shepherds. Abraham, we know, was the father of faith, but it said he had many flocks and herds, so he was a shepherd. Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the entire world, we know he spent 40 years keeping his father-in-law Jethro's flocks on the backside of the wilderness. Even David, the greatest king that Israel ever had, was a shepherd. Matter of fact, he's often referred to as the shepherd king. Even Jesus himself, we know his by occupation he was a carpenter. You know, Jesus never once referred to himself as master, or a teacher, or a scribe, or a deacon, or an elder, or a ruler, or anything else, but he often referred to himself as a shepherd. He was the good shepherd, one who would give his life for his sheep. So we see God has a special place for shepherds. You know, man's view of shepherds are much different than the Lord's view. In the book of Genesis, we read that the Egyptians actually despised shepherds. In 1 Kings, we know as uh, David had been anointed king, but he uh, it was several years before he would fulfill that role so Once he was anointed king, he went back to his job of shepherding. Well, we know the account when he was sent by his father Jesse to go check on his brothers as they were facing a battle with the Philistines and Goliath was there defying the armies of the living God and as David got there and began to inquire, he received a scathing rebuke from his oldest brother Eliab. He said, we know the naughtiness that's in your heart. You've just come to see the battle. He said, Whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? You can almost hear the ridicule and the derision, the dismissive attitude that he had toward David, just this lowly shepherd. You know, most commentaries, even the older ones that are more accurate and historically and doctrinally accurate, most of them all agree on one thing, and that was the opinion of The shepherds during the time of Christ and even in Bible times. Most commentaries agree that shepherding was a very lowly position. Long hours and poor pay and dangerous conditions. You know, shepherds were often overlooked and marginalized and even despised in society. They weren't important politically socially or economically, they would have never made it on anyone's who's who list in society. Some commentaries even say that often they were so mistrusted because they had such a bad reputation that uh, tradition says they weren't even permitted to give their testimony in a court of law because they were considered so dishonest and unreliable. Why then would they be the first ones to receive this amazing announcement? Some have suggested that maybe it was possibly a symbolic gesture on the part of the Lord. You know, there was a particular group of shepherds during this time who were in charge of the temple flocks. It's possible these might have been shepherds that had that responsibility, no one knows for sure, but their whole purpose was to keep the sheep that would one day be used specifically for temple sacrifices. That was their whole job. So we see an obvious symbolic relation to the Lamb of God. It would make sense from that perspective that the ones who looked after the sacrificial lambs would be the first to witness and welcome the Lamb of God. We don't know for sure. That's just kind of speculation. But I believe God was sending a message when he chose those shepherds. You know, this gospel is a humble gospel. God calls those that are humble and lowly. You know, our spiritual standing before the Lord is far more important than our social standing. The conditions of our hearts are far more important than the conditions of our 401Ks or our retirement plans. The Bible says God hath chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, to be heirs with Christ. Even Jesus, we know, talk about humble beginnings. You couldn't find any more humble beginnings than Christ entering this world through a stable. His bed was a feeding trough for animals, tells us, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So it would make sense then that the Lord would reach out to those that were humble. And certainly the shepherds were considered very humble. You know, their humble standing placed them in close proximity to where Christ was. It says they were in the same country shepherds. They weren't in some ivory palace or in some king's court somewhere. They were close by. You know, the distance to finding the Lord is much safer and shorter and easier to those who were humble. You know, the Lord also called the wise men. God has no respect of persons, but it seemed like their journey may have taken quite a bit longer, was more difficult, but... The shepherds were close by. They didn't have to travel far at all to where the Lord was. The Bible tells us that the Lord draws nigh to those who have a broken and a contrite spirit. God despises the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, it's been said the Lord doesn't choose the poor just because of their poverty, nor does he reject the rich because of their wealth. There's no virtue in being poor, nor is there any sin in being rich, but there's great virtue in being poor in spirit. And certainly that's where the shepherds were. You know, they'd received a wonderful promise in verse 10. It says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That was a promise, but what better way to demonstrate that love than to start at the very bottom? This gospel is all inclusive. It's for all men. Rich and poor alike. You know, the Lord chooses those that will respond to him. The Bible tells us many are called, but few are chosen. Not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble men are called. So the Lord calls those that will respond. We know not every response to the gospel call is a positive response. Or a humble response. You know, when the Christmas message went out, not everybody responded in a positive way. Not everybody responds to the message in a positive way today. Matthew 2, verse 3 says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. He was troubled for the wrong reasons. He knew that this Messiah, this Savior, threatened his own social and economic position. And he was a threat to his own self personally. So he tried to thwart God's plan. But we know not everybody receives the message in a positive way. But I like the way the shepherds responded. We know when they receive the good news, we see they responded quickly and with haste. Verse 15 and 16, it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. Let us go now. They came with haste. You know, the best way to respond to the Lord When He calls after us, when the Lord wants to reveal Himself to us, the best way to respond is quickly and with haste. We know, we see throughout Scripture, Jesus, as He called His disciples, it says they immediately left their nets, or straightway they left their nets. We know later in the book of Luke when Jesus found Zacchaeus up in that tree and he said, come down for I must abide at your house. It said that he made haste and came down and received him gladly. So when the Lord calls after hearts, we want to respond quickly with haste. You know, the last thing you want to do is put off the Lord. If He calls after you, if He's calling you today, the last thing you want to do is delay and wait Genesis 6.3 says, My spirit won't always strive with man. We have examples in God's Word of those who chose to put off what they should have taken care of immediately. In the book of Acts, the 24th chapter, we read about a man by the name of Felix. Felix was a governor. He was important. He was a prominent political figure. Probably one of those who's who in society. Everybody knew who Felix was. Well, Paul had a chance to stand before him, and as he preached Christ unto him, it says that as Felix heard these words, you know, the message was the same as those shepherds heard. Jesus is here. Jesus can save. You can find the Lord today. That was the same message that went out to Felix. But it says as he considered righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, he trembled. God was dealing with his heart. Conviction had set in. Tragically he sent Paul away and he said at another time when it's more convenient I'll call for you. We don't read about any other time, any other opportunity that Felix ever had. Just a couple chapters over in Acts twenty six we see Paul again appearing before King Grippa, again a very another VIP, you might say, very important person in society. And Paul, as he shared his wonderful conversion and how the Lord met him on that road to Damascus. It stirred Agrippa's heart and he said, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Tragically, we don't read about Agrippa ever having another opportunity. So when the Lord calls, we want to make haste. We want to come at once, respond to the voice of the Lord. You know, procrastination has sent more people to hell than anything else in all of history. So when the Lord calls, we want to respond quickly and with haste like the shepherds did. We know, too, they were willing to come as they are, or they, as they were. He said, let us now go. You know, I suppose they could have thought, well, uh, we need to go home or go back to our tent or wherever they were dwelling. We need to clean ourselves up first. You know, we need to make ourselves presentable. Well, there was no time for that. They said, let us go now. They realized this opportunity, this was imminent. They needed to take care of this now. They didn't want to miss this opportunity of a lifetime. They could have thought, well, we can try to clean ourselves up. We can pretend we're something we're not. Maybe we can fool others. But, you know, they were no illusions as to who they were. They knew they were shepherds. They knew they were lowly and humble and no doubt they were reminded of that every day by others in society, but they didn't uh, try to clean themselves up first. You know, they came looking for the Savior. That means they had to come as sinners. You know, when we receive the good news that they receive that Jesus is here, that He's come to save, we come as sinners we don't clean ourselves up first. We come to the Lord, and the Lord takes care of cleaning us up. You know, it says He came to seek and save those that which were lost. You have to meet your loss before you could be found. So they came as sinners. They realized who they were, but they were willing to come as they were. They came with haste. They came as they were. That took humility, certainly. Jesus said He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty, Those that are captive. So we know we don't clean ourselves up first. Our own righteousness is like filthy rags. We come to the Lord as we are, and God transforms us and cleans us up. They had to come in faith. Again, we read in verses 15 and 16, it says, "...and it came to pass, as the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing, which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They said, Let's come and see this thing, which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. You know, they believed the promise before they actually saw it. The angel told them what had happened. They knew what had happened. And they had complete faith that when they went, they would find exactly what was foretold. That's faith. Believing something before you see it. If you receive a promise from the Lord, you believe that promise. And through faith, you receive it. You know, human reasoning is, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But faith says, I'll believe it before I see it. So they came in faith knowing their efforts would be rewarded. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. You know, for the shepherds, their faith became sight. For all of us who are Christians and are awaiting the Lord's second return one day, if we're faithful. Our faith will become sight. We will see the Lord face to face. But we know, verse 17, it says that when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the Lord. So, we see they came humbly. They made haste. They came as they were. And they came in faith. You know, they were willing to share their experience with others. Again, verse Seventeen. It says, They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They were willing to share what they had experienced. You know, it's interesting that the Lord could take this group of shepherds who were considered so untrustworthy they couldn't even give testimony in a court of law, And he turned them into the first Christian evangelists. They went out and they spread the good news. What did they discover? What they had found? You know, I appreciated Oren's testimony the other night. I don't mean to embarrass him, but he said he was ashamed to tell his mother and his grandma that he wasn't saved. But as he uh, confessed that and they prayed with him, the Lord saved him. And as he stood to his feet, he said, the Lord told me I need to testify. I need to tell about what happened. And he said it was the best choice he ever made. Well, that's how these uh, shepherds felt. They couldn't keep it quiet. They wanted to share the good news with others. It says as they told others about it, they said that those that heard them wondered at what they had been told. That word wonder means they were astonished. You know, it must have been a pretty convincing testimony. The people that heard were astonished. Not only what they heard, but what they'd seen. They'd seen the transformation in these own men's lives. They had been changed and transformed. And we read that, verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. It doesn't say they were saved, but we know they were because we see the response here. That's a natural response to anybody whose life has been transformed. When they get in contact with the Savior of the world, they're changed. And they'll go on their way rejoicing and praising the Lord. You know, the good news is you can experience the same thing the shepherds experienced. If you're not saved this morning, if you've never uh, gotten to know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You can get to know Him this morning. The invitation is wide open. And if you come the same way the shepherds come, if you're willing to respond in that same way, you come humbly, you make haste, come with faith, you'll leave different than when you came. You'll leave rejoicing. You know, the shepherds, they were still shepherds on the outside. But they were citizens of heaven on the inside. They knew their names had been written in that Lamb's Book of Life. They discovered Jesus the Savior. You can do the same today. I'm thankful for this gospel and thankful for the invitation that still goes out. You know, there was one other quality that shepherds possessed, and God must have considered a very important quality. Shepherds were good at keeping watch. We know that when the rest of the world was sleeping and they were too busy or preoccupied and no one else had even realized Christ had come, the shepherds knew it. The shepherds were wide awake. They were keeping watch. It says, as they were keeping watch at night, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them. You know, the Word of God tells us He came the first time. We know He's coming again. Tragically, like the first time when the Lord comes again, I'm afraid that there will be many who have missed it. They'll realize too late that that opportunity had passed. And unlike the shepherds, uh, they won't make haste and they'll miss that opportunity to be transformed. We know the first time He came, He came as the Lamb of God. He came as the sacrifice for sins. The second time He's coming, He's not coming as the sacrifice for sins. He's coming to judge sin and to judge those that have rejected His offer of salvation. Of course, we know too, He's going to come and catch away His bride. He's going to take away those who've taken advantage of the fact that Jesus came the first time. Those that uh, search the Lord out for themselves, those that discover the Lord as their own Savior, those that humble themselves and surrender to Christ, they'll be ready. They'll be prepared when the Lord returns again. It says that the Lord is coming the second time without sin unto salvation. That's why Jesus tells us in Matthew twenty four forty two, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. you know, we want to be like good shepherds. We want to be watchful. We want to be waiting and anticipating that day when the Lord will return. It could be at any moment. We know that. We don't have to be caught unawares. If you're here this morning and you're not saved and the Lord's speaking to you, I would encourage you, make haste. Don't delay. Humble yourselves. Come and kneel before the Lord. Confess your sins and God will transform your life. This morning you can... Leave this place rejoicing, singing and praising for what God has done. You want to tell others, you know, to be the best Christmas present you could ever receive. The hope of eternal life. It doesn't run out. It doesn't get old. It doesn't wear out. And it can be yours this morning. Let's sing 482. These altars are open. Let's come and pray.